learning from him. Kriyamora. Sanbonan. I want to greet you all in the name of our Lord Jesus. Amen. Receive greetings from the best woman in the world, my dear wife Rachel. She sends the greetings. I wish she was with me here, uh, the lady who has been my powerhouse, the lady who has helped me to be what I am today. And I want to thank God for her. I'm married to one wife and I love her and I still kiss her and we are together 48 years. Uh, <laughs> Amen. I'm stuck with her. Hallelujah. I'm really stuck with her until Jesus comes. Amen. <laughs> I don't know many husbands who change wives. There must be something wrong here. Praise the Lord. It's nice to have your first wife and stick to her and love her and spoil her. Amen. I'm still opening the door for my wife to come into the car, into the house. 48 years I've never stopped. And some people open the door for their wives just the day of the wedding and it's done. <laughs> and the next time they blow the horn, ping, ping, hurry up. <laughs> you see, I've seen husbands who blow the horn to their wives. Something is wrong. Are we together? Yeah, I want husbands who love their wives until Jesus comes. That's what we are meant because the Bible says, Husbands, love your wives. It's a command. God is not begging you at all. He is commanding you to love your wife. Amen. So I'm not preaching about marriage because there are no amen from the husbands. They are quiet. <laughs> Everyone is dead silent. <laughs> Praise the Lord. I'm married to Rachel, and I uh, thank God for her. She's not with me. She had to rush to Malawi. Our daughter was taken seriously ill. She's in the ICU, and we're trusting God for a miracle that God will touch her and heal her in the name of Jesus. And... Uh, I want to share this morning from the book of, uh, of Psalms, well-known Psalm, Psalm 23. How many know Psalm 23 by head? Uh, Psalm 23, that's the Psalm I'll be talking about. And uh, my name is Stephen Lungu, born in Zimbabwe, from a Malawian father, from a Zambian mother, I don't know which tribe I am. <laughs> I think I'm a proper colored. <laughs> yeah, uh, then I registered my citizenship in heaven. Uh, so I'm a unique person. There's no one like me. <laughs> Praise the Lord. And I'm excited. You know, I get excited when I talk about Jesus. And uh, I can talk about Jesus until tomorrow because I love him too much. Just in love with Jesus because of uh, what he did in my life. And I want to also thank God because of that salvation, I can sit down among you white people. There was no way I could sit in the presence of white people. Because I'd vowed the only time you sit next to a white person is to kill him first. When you greet a white man, kill him first and then greet him later. So you are very safe today. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Very, very safe. You know, when white people are terrified, they become red, 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 red. 
<laughs> and we black people will become pitch black. <clears throat> but you are very safe. Um, so when I stand here, it's a miracle. It's not just because I'm standing here. It's a miracle itself to stand even among you guys. First, I didn't go to school. I was never educated. I didn't have a chance of going to school. I don't know, uh, you know a teacher. I don't know a classroom. I didn't have a privilege of going to school. So what you are looking at this morning is a miracle of the grace of God. Nothing else. And that's why I said I thank God for my wife. Because she is the one who taught me to speak the English I'm speaking today. If it were not for her, I wouldn't have been speaking the English I'm speaking today. It takes a godly woman to teach a husband. And we husbands were tough. You know, with our baritone voice, we scare women. But uh, my wife taught me how to write. I started writing when I was 22 years old. And I started reading when I was 22 years old. But now I speak 10 languages fluently uh, because of the grace of God. <clears throat> That's why I say I love my wife so dearly because she has been the pillar of my life. There was no way I could preach the gospel without such a woman, a godly woman, a saint. And many people talk about saints, but I feel my wife is the saint because she's a, a woman of prayer, an intercessor. She's my powerhouse. So the way I preach behind me, it is this woman who prays. What a great woman of God. And I thank God for her. And she had to teach me so many things because I was a street boy. I was a street boy. When I got saved, I was stinking. I was smelling. But when Jesus came into my life, he transformed my life. And I remember that time I was wearing my shorts, which had two windows at the back. And I uh, never worn shoes before. And my first pair of shoes, I was 22 years old. And I remember that time I was walking like a robot because I'd never worn shoes. I was even smiling at my shoes. <laughs> but, you know, for some of you, it's natural. But for me, it is God. Nothing else. God. God only God. So briefly before I read, because I want to prove to you that I'm able to read. <laughs> Amen. I'll be going through the Psalm 23 with you, and then we go together. And uh, sorry, I'm using, I normally use my notebook, but I forgot my notebook. Uh, I want to read Psalm 23 uh, from verse 1. <coughs> Excuse me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, no doubt, 
surely, certainly, surely, certainly, goodness and love or mercy will follow me all the, not one day, all the days of my life. And there's the end there. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. Are you excited with this song? Well, your face is looking boring, huh? <laughs> wow. Praise the Lord. Before I go to this psalm, let's read Ephesians chapter 1. Now, my title of the message this morning is Ownership with a Title Deed. Ownership with a what? A title deed. You have your car, you have a title deed to your car. You have the registration, everything. You have a house, you have a title deed. You own the house. If you have got business, you have a title deed. And you have a farm, you have a title deed. Whatever you bought, you want to have a title deed that complete ownership, you own that business. Amen. Please say, respond. Amen. Or I'll shut my Bible and go. <laughs> oh, man. I'm a fast driver, very fast driver. I was taught by this British guide. First time I started driving, I was going at 120. First time. So, I became a fast driver. Oh, I drive fast. So when you come in the car, I'm driving. You have to be praying the name of the Father, the Son, and the <laughs> But when I carry Rachel, my wife, I drive 10 kilometers an hour. Because I have the queen of the house. When you have got the queen, drive gently. And you speak romantic, um, you know... <laughs> Love. You remind yourselves the first time you fell in love. And you know, when I was proposing love to my wife, I didn't know how to speak English. She's a graduate. A graduate marrying as a nobody who never went to school. And I remember when I was proposing love, my vape was going this way, my adjective was going, everything was going upside down. And yet she said, yes, I love you. And when she says, yes, I love I didn't know what to say next. And uh, so I said, can we pray? So, <laughs> so I prayed the longest prayer you have ever had. Because I was afraid if I say amen, and she looks at me and said, now, what do I say next? <laughs> I was afraid of her eyes. But I thank God that uh, we got married, and God, uh, the first day, God said, Stephen, I'm giving you a drama. You know, we watch dramas. But God says, I'm giving you a wife as a drama for you to watch in your house. So each time she walked, I would watch this drama. You know. When she gets angry, I would be smiling at the drama. <laughs> So what I was doing is to enjoy who she was, studying her. And so from day one I got married to my wife, I started, you know, writing notes about her. All her be behavior. So right now I'm writing my fourth book. My fourth book is about Rachel. I'm writing about Rachel. My first book is my testimony out of the Black Shadows. The Black Shadows used to be the name of my gang. Nobody ever met with my gang, walked away alive. Killing to me was no big deal. Shooting at someone was no big deal. It was like eliminating a shadow. I looked at all other people like shadows. 
Because I, for one, didn't receive love. Never been loved by my mother. Never been loved by my father. I hated every person who was called a man or a woman. So the only thing was in the streets, I found a man, just give him a bullet. I found a woman, give him a bullet. Anyone who carried the Bible had to be killed. I didn't like any people who carried the Bible. I didn't like any person who mentioned the name Jesus to me. If you came to mention the name Jesus, you'd get a bullet. I hated this name called Jesus because he was a white man. There was no way I could believe in a white man's God. So I hated the Bible. I hated the, you know, the name Jesus. And so every church was a target for me to throw bombs and hand grenades. And so that became my lifestyle. Some of you are asking, why, Steve? My mother was given to marriage at the age of 13. She was a 13-year-old girl going to school with an intention to become a nurse. But her dreams were shattered when she was given a husband to marry at the age of 13. She was crying. She married my father, who was 50 years old. So a 13-year-old girl to a 50-year-old man the gap was too wide. And I was born when she was only 14. She almost died. I was put in the incubator for two months. And so, as I grew up, there was another child who was my brother and another child, my sister. So she had three kids before she was even 20. And so life became miserable. The only thing I knew at the age of four was my dad bashing my mother every day. There was no day I didn't see blood in the nose of my mother. And as a small boy, I would try to save this dear mother. But my dad would push me aside day in and day out until one day he pushed me against the wall and my head was bleeding. And I turned around towards my father. As a four-year-old boy, I didn't say a word. But my dad said, why are you looking at me like that? And I didn't answer him. But in my mind, this is what I said. You just wait, let me grow up and I'll kill you. That was the beginning of a different Stephen. I wanted to kill my father the way he bashed my mother. There are some of you here, husbands, you don't bash your, your wife, but you use your tongue. The way you speak to your wife is as good as beating her. So many husbands speak harshly to their wives because there's something wrong when there's no relationship. Why do you speak in a harsh way? Why do you shout at your wife? Something is seriously wrong. So my father walked out of the house then, after a week, my mother took us downtown in Harare. She said, Steve, hold your baby sister. I'm going to the toilet. And she went to the toilet, and she never came back. Left me with a tiny little baby as a four-year-old boy. Didn't know what to do with the child. And then the police found us after six hours. And says, where is your mom? I said, she's in the toilet. They looked all over. She was not there. And then they had to take my baby sister to the hospital and my brother and I to the orphanage. When they took our baby sister to the hospital, they separated the two brothers and their only sister. And that took 39 years before we saw her. And we used to wonder, where is she? Then later on, at the orphanage there, I was beaten by these big bully boys. And I was bleeding and crying. And then I'm coming from rejection from my mother, left at the orphanage, and the welcome is being beaten by boys, and I'm bleeding there. And the teacher said, who beat you up? I said, I don't know. I've just arrived. He said, young boy, tell us their names. I said, I don't know their names. I've just arrived. He said, young boy, if you don't tell me their names, I will spank you. And I thought he was joking. 
He took my little hands and tied me around the pole and gave me 12 slashes. And I was screaming and waiting myself for dear life. But all my cry went to deaf ears. Following day was the same thing. Third day, fourth day. <clears throat> but the fifth day, I couldn't handle it. I could hardly sit on my back. And I went to the public toilet outside. I started shouting. I said, God, if you are there, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. A four-year-old boy telling God, I hate you. There's a time you look for death, but death doesn't come by. And that time, I just wanted to die. Life had no meaning. And so the teachers found me shouting there. I knew they were taking me to the pole, but this day was different, completely different. And I said to myself, Stephen, from now on, be a tough boy. Never cry. So he ties me on the pole, 12 slashes, but not a drop of a tear in my eyes. I just stood still there taking every pain. And he says to me, young boy, you think you are tough? So he gives me another 12, but not a drop of a tear. He didn't realize that when a boy doesn't cry, you have created the most dangerous boy. Tears are very good. Never hold back your tears. When you are in pain, let out those tears because it's medicine. It brings healing to you. But when you suppress those tears, even the best counselor can never reach out your heart because those tears become dangerous, poisonous. So I walked out of that orphanage, leaving my brother there. And I was going to the bush to climb up a tree. What I wanted was when I get up on the tree, fall head first to commit suicide. So here is a young boy trying to commit suicide, and here I find an old, old road with a bridge, old bridge, and I went under that bridge and sat there contemplating what I must do first. If I die, that would be exciting, but no one will cry for me, so I die. So as I'm seated there, I started separating the sand and went into the hollow, starting covering myself with the sand to make like a blanket. So that became my permanent home from that age until when I was 21 years old. That became my home. During the day, I would go to the white suburbs to scavenge in the garbage bins. And so I would eat this stale food from the white suburbs. And then growing there, I started smoking at the age of 10, and cigarette led to marijuana. From marijuana led me to sniffing glue. From glue went to LSD, went to injections. And I became a drug addict at the age of 11. And that age I had two revolvers. A 12-year-old boy with two guns, I knew I was in control of the streets. Then we, I created this gang I called the Black Shadows. We were all from broken homes. We were all didn't have a parent and so on. A broken marriage produces a broken society. A broken marriage produces these gangs we see in the streets. They've never been loved. Two days ago, I was preaching in, in the prison to these young people and each time I hugged one young boy, as I told him, I said, I love you. I want to be your father. He cried. He broke down. He says, no one has ever loved me. And here are young people who are in the streets. All come, most of them coming from broken homes. That's why I tell young people, don't rush into marriage if you are not ready to marry. Because divorce has become a curse. Divorce has become a curse. And I'm speaking from experience because I was the victim of divorce. And so, from there as a young boy, my gang of 40 boys, and I told them, no one 
no one in my gang laughs. Can you imagine from the age of six, I never laughed. I never laughed. And my friend was laughing, going around the corner, and I followed him. Why are you laughing? He said, I was laughing, and I pulled out my gun and shot him. Just for laughing. I was a quiet boy, never laughed, unpredictable. They didn't know what I might do next. And so that became my life. At the age of 15, I joined Robert Mugabe as a freedom fighter. The white people used to call us terrorists. I said, no, I was never a terrorist. I was a freedom fighter. Terrorists are those who go to countries which is not yours. And then you start sabotaging and so on. But I was fighting in my own country to liberate myself. So I called myself a freedom fighter. So five years I was in the bush. We used to meet with the Tabombeki in Zambia or Zuma there as we fought together with Mkontawe Sizwe into South Africa. And so as we went there in the bush where to do one clenched fist, there's no God, there's no God. Communism is good. Communism is good. So my mind embraced the, 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 the Marxist ideology. That's why I hated the Bible, I hated the church, and so on. And so at the age of 20, I was given a TNT bomb, which I was going to plant in the bank, that on Monday morning, that bomb would go off, kill many white people. Then I was looking forward to kill many white people that day. So as we were taking this bomb to the bank, we saw this big, massive tent by the roadside, and it was from South Africa. And I hated anything from South Africa because of the apartheid system. So I said, guys, before we get to the bank, let's go to that tent where they are singing choruses about Jesus. We get our AK-47 and spray the bullets to everyone. I said, I want every person in that tent to die. If one person escapes, I'll give you a gift of a bullet myself. So there were about 3,000 people inside. I said, I want every person to die. So when we got to the tent, he said, Steve, what time are you going to blow the whistle at 7 o'clock sharp? He said, well, it is 5 to 7 now. What do we do in five minutes? I said, well, guys, since we've got five minutes, let's go inside and look at the people we're about to kill. We say two minutes only, we go out and we start shooting. Now, that was a good mistake to give God two minutes. <coughs> so, we went inside and sat right at the back, and they were singing choruses about Jesus, and we sang out of tune to disturb the meeting. And one preacher came and touched my shoulder and said, boys, please keep quiet. And I pulled out my knife and said, preacher, if you ever touch me, I'll kill you right now. And all my gang members turned towards me with a shock, looking at me. I said, what? He said, no, that's not your character. And indeed, that was not my character. If I pulled out a knife, I would use it. If I took out a gun, I would shoot. I was not that person who would warn someone. I would use the bullet or, or the knife straight away. But I warned this preacher. It is only now I understand this man had the angels of God. And so, when the preacher left me alone, I started tossing the knife up and down. Then they invited a pretty girl from Soweto in Johannesburg. Man, she was gorgeous, I tell you. She was so pretty and she put me off balance. <coughs> I, I, I was confused. I said, how can a pretty girl become a Christian? I used to think Christianity is for the old, old grannies who were about to die because they were useless, so they had to be Christians. Or ugly girls who could not be proposed by boys. The only way was to become Christians. But this girl, as she shared her testimony, she was glowing with the glory of God. And there was something around her as if she had something shining around her. So I said to my friend on my right, said, you see that girl shining? He said, no, she's not shining. And I said to my friend on my left, see that girl shining? He said, no, she's not shining. I said, what type of eyes do you have, you guys? 
what I saw, they didn't say, they didn't see. So then she invited another black evangelist from Johans, from Soweto, no, from Pretoria, and this man stands up. He read two verses only. Romans 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus. And then he read 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus. Though he was rich, he became poor, that through his poverty you may be rich in Christ. Then he kept quiet. He started crying, weeping, tears on his Bible. I said, now, this is strange. I've never seen a preacher after reading the Bible. He starts by crying. Then as he was crying, weeping, he, he wanted to say something. And then he says, I am crying because the Spirit of God is telling me now that many people seated here tonight are going to die. I said, uh-oh, who told him what we're about to do? That <laughs> guy's... Man, this is so. I said, guys, get ready with your bombs. And so I took one of my revolvers, stuck here in front. We started making our hand grenades to, you know, to explode and so on. And then this man, in tears, he starts preaching such gospel with power, anointing. And as he preached about the love of God, that's the part of the message I like. He said, This same Jesus, he took your place. You were born in a hospital, but he was born in a manger where it was thinking, and I look at myself, yes, I can identify without Jesus. Here I am sleeping under a bridge. And he said, Jesus had a borrowed donkey. Jesus had a borrowed house for his last supper. Jesus was crucified on a borrowed cross. That cross was meant for me and for you. And when he died, he was buried in a borrowed grave. Then I said in my mind, how can everything Jesus borrowed for my sake? Then he said he went to heaven, sits on the right hand of God the Father, but he's coming again. And that's the part of the message I didn't like. As he spoke about his coming again, he talked about the judgment of God, he spoke, up, he spoke about murder, he spoke about drugs, he spoke about every kind of sin. And what I didn't like about that preacher was his finger. Every time he pointed the finger like he was pointing at me. And he would point this way like the finger was bending towards me. I said, now, this preacher has no manners at all. And wherever I pointed like the finger was bending towards me, so I said, okay, he thinks he's clever. I'm more clever than him. So when you do like this, I would duck down behind something. So I was going up and down, up and down. But little did I know that you can never hide from the finger of God. And right there at the back, I started crying like a little child. I picked up my AK-47 and all my bombs, and I started walking forward. And everyone was taking, you know, handkerchiefs because of the smell of my body. And as I knelt at the feet of that preacher, I gripped his legs. And his trousers were soaked wet with my tears. But he didn't stop preaching. He went on preaching, and then suddenly, a rival gang came to the tent and threw the bombs into the tent, blew up that tent. Many dead bodies all over. Many people died that night, including my three gang members, perished that night. The question is, God, why me? That among my friends, you should choose me to save my life. If I had not walked forward, I would have perished there. But why me, God? But God had a purpose for my life. And God picked me that night. As I was crying at the feet of that preacher, the tent was burning. Every car, I literally, every car outside was set ablaze. No car survived. You could hear explosions of tires. And after a while, soldier, I mean, soldiers were shooting and fire brigade and they put out the fire. Out of 3,000 people who were in that tent, only one boy remained behind. And the preacher came to talk to me. He said, young boy, why? And I remember that night the preacher was holding his handkerchief to talk to me because I was smelling, stinking. 
And, you know, and I said, even the preacher can smell me. And then as he talked, I said, can your Jesus save a sinner like me? He said, yes, God loves you. The moment he says, God loves you, I pulled out my gun on his forehead, shaking with anger. I said, preacher, I will kill you right now. Never tell me about God. I want your Jesus you have been preaching about tonight. For me, I thought God was different. Jesus was different. So he started crying. This preacher started crying. I said, young boy, let me tell you about myself. In Soweto, a, a young girl, 14-year-old girl was coming from school. A man with a knife forced that girl in the bush, raped her several times, and left for dead. And nine months later, she gave birth out of that rape to a baby boy and took that baby in the public toilet and forced the baby in the toilet and ran away, left with umbilical cord. And another woman was going to help herself, found a baby, pulled out that baby, rushed to the hospital. That baby survived. He said, that baby is me. And it was that preacher. He said, you are thrown away in the streets, but I was thrown away in the toilet. So he read to me Psalms 27. Though my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will receive me. It was because of this scripture. I said, God, my father forsook me. My mother forsook me. But you are going to be my mother. You are going to be my father. And that night I said, Jesus, come into my life. Change me from the killing. This lifestyle. But it was like something came from heaven. Cleansed me. Dealt with my cigarette. Dealt with my drugs. It was like a snap. I didn't struggle to stop this and that. It was like a snap. Felt the peace of God. That joy which the world cannot explain. It was so glorious that I, a sinner, has been forgiven. And that night I was born again into the kingdom of God. And I left the, the tent going to the bridge. I knelt down. I said, God, I'm not educated. I can't read. I can't write. As I was praying, the Spirit of God came upon me with such power. And I don't know what language I was talking it was glorious. Then I said, God, it's enough. It is enough. It was so glorious. And the next thing I saw a tree and I hugged one tree. I said, God, if you were only here, I could have hugged you like this. It was so good. Following day, I got up. I went to the police to surrender myself. Nobody pushed me. Just the spirit of us was so much in love with God. So I went to the police and I got there and said, I'm under arrest. Jesus has arrested me. He said, what? And, you know, everyone was surprised. He said, who arrested you? I said, you couldn't arrest me, but Jesus has arrested my heart. He said, what? And so eight hours of interrogation, the commissioner of police said, wow, we've never seen anything like this. If your Jesus has forgiven you, we forgive you too. You know, sometimes you don't believe the Bible. The Bible says, if the Son of Man shall set you free, you shall be free indeed. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Heaven forgave me. The government forgave me. And the commission of police gave me money to buy myself a Bible. So I bought myself a Shona Bible, which I didn't know how to read. But I enjoyed flipping the pages only. <laughs> I said, I said, the day I'll read this book, I'll read it, I'll read it, I'll read it. So God, in his love, in his mercy, used my wife to be able to read. And so I read the Bible every day, four chapters, every day. Every day. And I wake up every day by 3.30, I'm on my knees with God. I would love to have quality time with God. That when I walk during the day, I have victory in Christ because of the quality time I spend with God. And so I love him passionately. And I thank God that God has picked up a nobody like me and made me what I am today. And took an Africana 
to take me in his house in, in the Harare. An African of, of all the people, you know. <laughs> and he took this wonderful African, you know, gave me the first bath of my life. You should have seen the lights floating on the water. And the water was darker than me. But, you know, God is a wonderful God. He polished me. He, God made me who I am. And I started witnessing. I, I started witnessing the following day on Monday. I was saved on Sunday. On Monday, I won 15 people to Jesus. And never stopped ever since. And people say, Steve, when were you called? I said, I don't know. I was saved on Monday, uh, on Sunday. Monday was already in the streets preaching. And I've never stopped. I've never stopped. I can't stop. If I fill up my, my petrol in the car, I talk about Jesus. If I come on the roadblock with the police, I tell them about Jesus. I don't zip my mouth. I talk. I'm in love with Jesus. I love him so much. I can't zip my mouth because he's so good in my life. And God started sending me around the world. So I've been almost every part of the world. Just 32 countries to go. Just 32 countries to go. I've been to the White House preaching to George Bush. I've been to the White House with President Obama. I've been to Pentagon. Pentagon is a no-go area. All the CIA intelligence, the generals, the arm of, of the United States, they invited me to go and preach the gospel in the presence of, of, of President Obama. And I said, God, what am I going to share here? God said, preach on Matthew chapter 2, chapter 3, verse 2. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. You should have seen these generals in tears crying before God. God can talk, take a nobody and make you a somebody. Went to Australia to preach in Parliament in Australia. I've preached in New Zealand. I've preached in Argentina. Around the whole world, God taking a nobody and making you a somebody. What a wonderful Savior. Ma, what a wonderful Savior. And then God, after eight years of trusting God, I didn't want to get married. I was afraid of women. Women talk too much. <laughs> no, not because they talk too much, but I was afraid of myself. Not women, I was afraid of myself. Just in case. Just in case. I had inherited the spirit of my father. I was afraid of that. To get married, torture the woman like my father. So I said, God, I will not rush until you separate me with these demons of my father. And that's what God did. Then eight years later, God, Rachel, married me. And then God blessed us with five biological children. And we thank God our firstborn, she has her own farm. And then secondborn, he's a director of a big hospital in London. And thirdborn, she's a businesswoman. Fourthborn is a pilot. And the youngest is a medical doctor in Manchester. So God can pick up nobodies and make you a somebody. Amen. <laughs> Then we adopted 13 children from the streets who were thrown away, left as one day old. One child was, we saw in the plastic bag, a dog was eating the umbilical cord, saved that child. And now she has got a PhD degree. And so God is, has used us to adopt 13 girls. Now they asked people, why girls? I said, we adopted girls because if they are in the streets, they are raped molested. So we want to give them hope. So my wife has started her own ministry where she takes all these prostitutes and widows from the streets. She's a dress designer and so she trains them how to make dresses and so on. And so God has blessed 
my wife in a ministry, my ministry. So God has made us work together as a team. So that's what we are doing. Now I'm going in June back to Malawi. What I'm going to do is to reach out to the members of parliament, cabinet ministers, the president himself, who are going to do this outreach to this elite of the country, reach them with the gospel of our Lord Jesus. That's what I will be doing from June this year. And if you come to Malawi, come and stay with us. Amen. <laughs> now I want to close. I've got only 10 minutes to close. Especially white people don't like me if I drag too long. <laughs> they love their watches too much. You know, God gave us time. We Africans were given time. But watches were given to white people. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so when a white black person says he comes two, he comes three. He's still on time. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> He's still on time. Praise the Lord. Let me get these two, two minutes. Uh, uh, are we together on somewhat? 23. <laughs> Praise God. Wow. I can go on and go on. You know, when you are in love, you know, I've seen young people who are in love, they don't go like this. No, they go slowly. <laughs> and then their shoulders bump with each other. <laughs> Not in a hush, run. <laughs> they don't rush. Slowly. slowly. Amen. <laughs> so when you are in love with Jesus, you go with him slowly. Amen. Because you are too much in love with him. Psalm 23. Yes. Uh, quickly, those who are writing, write uh, the few verses which I'll be giving you. It is all PPs. Number one, the Lord. The Lord. And uh, this is a young boy who wrote this psalm. Uh, he was, I think, 17 years old when he, or 16 years old. A young boy with passions, even sexual passions, even the needs he had of this world. He was a young boy. But he wrote Psalm 23, and he says, the Lord. Now, when you say the Lord, he must be the boss of your life. If he's not the boss, you can't do Otherwise, you know, when the boss says, turn right, turn right. Turn left, turn left. When I joined the military, they said, what belongs to you is your body, but the soul belongs to the army. You understand? What belongs to you is your body, but your, you know, is your soul. But the body belongs to them. We will do anything we like. Uh, with your body. So when you join, the first thing, my brother, if you had Afro hair, they shave it. Even this beard, they clean it. And then you stand by the queue, by the line on the parade at attention. And the commander comes as he comes. He, no apparent, you didn't do anything, but he says, you are a fool. Thank you, sir. <laughs> you can't say no, sir. He just said, you are a fool. Your mother was like this, like this. Thank you, sir. Everything is thank you, sir. <laughs> All what they are doing is to squeeze out the behavior of this suburb. At, the, at this suburb, you, some of you, you walk with your the jeans, your old boxers are seen. You know. <laughs> but in the army, said, dress properly. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> And you walk like a soldier, not like a truth. You know. ah, the chest out. Look at the face of the person. They squeeze out everything of you, of the township, of the suburb, of the university. They squeeze out. And another six months, they pump in military thinking, military behavior. And by the time you come from the army, you are a different person. The way you look at people, you have no fear. The way you walk, you walk like a soldier. Now, when David was writing this psalm, he said, The Lord, 
Why was he saying, this Lord, when he says you are a fool, he said, yes, sir. Jump, he said, how high do you want me to go? That's the Savior. When he becomes the Lord, David says, the Lord is mine. It's not like the Lord's prayer, our Father, who art in heaven, us, us, us. No, but this psalm is, the Lord is mine. Personal possession, number one. Personal possession. You make the Lord as your personal what? Possession. Amen? And I'm married to this one wife. Before, as a young man, I would go anywhere I want. You know, I never said goodbye. But when I had this, honey, can you allow me to go to this? What time are you coming? Four. And by four, now I want to go to another house. I have to go back, report again to go to another house. <laughs> you understand? So many husbands do blunders. They go from this house to this house to this house, and she's waiting. Where is he? That's wrong. When you report at home, I'm going to John, and I'll be back at four. Be back at four. That's Christianity. If you come quarter past, something is wrong. <laughs> Unless you are in the traffic. But uh, apologize. So many husbands don't know how to apologize. They use harshness and the anger. <sighs> and the wife becomes a small puppy. <laughs> no, you want us to be Christians. The Lord is my shepherd. Personal what? Possession. When it becomes pers your personal possession, you obey him as the Lord. Are we together? As the Lord. But many people, they say, I'm a Christian. I'm born again. I love the Lord. But they don't do what the Lord commands them to do. They live double lives. They live double lives. And they live as if God doesn't see them. And in their minds, they think they are going forward, but they are going backwards. Before I got saved, when I was a young boy, we black people, we didn't have toys. But white people had lots of toys, full house. But my only toy was when a tree falls down, I would ride on that tree as my car. And all my friends would come behind me, so we're driving to Pretoria. Vroom, vroom, vroom. And in our minds, we've reached Pretoria. Get out. <laughs> and the same people would, we're going to Deben now. Vroom, 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 vroom. The mind, we've reached Deben. Get out. <laughs> but we are on the same spot. We didn't move even an inch. Many Christians are like that. In their minds, they are going to heaven, but they've messed it up. You think you are going to heaven, but your lifestyle with your parties where you go, all the drinking, the smoking, and all that, you think you are going to heaven, but you are not. So that means you need to come like David. The Lord is my shepherd. Let him be your shepherd. When I got saved that day, I had to leave Mugabe. I had to leave Gorilla Fighters. I had to leave the Black Shadows. I had to turn around to Jesus. I said, from now on, I'm going to follow Jesus. Do you know it was dangerous to quit again? It was dangerous to quit the Gorilla Fighters. They stabbed me twice on my back for quitting. And I was prepared to follow Jesus. That I was not going to go back. Although I was lying down there in the pool of blood, my heart was committed to follow Jesus. There was nothing which was going to turn me around back. They even told me, Steve, within two weeks you'll be back with us. Now it's over 50 years. Never went back to them. Amen. <laughs> now the number two. I shall not be in want. 
He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the quiet waters and he restores my soul. Number two is personal provision. Personal what? Provision. Now, I told you I was a street boy and so on, and I started preaching the gospel. When we married with my wife, we had no house. We had no house. We slept under a tree. We'd go to preach the gospel. We slept in many funny places, you know, preach the gospel. And my wife was pregnant. Then she gave birth. We had no house. So we used to take the suitcase, take out all the clothes, put the baby in the suitcase, and put a mosquito net. So two of our children grew up in the suitcase. But we said, we will never turn back. And now one day as I was preaching, a, a man was crying. He says, Mr. Lungu, can you come? You have just saved my marriage with your message. Can we go in our car? We went in his car and drove to these white suburbs and so on. And we got there in a long way. And he says, we have just finished this, build, uh, this house. Here are the keys, it's your house. Five-bedroomed house given as a gift and changed the title deed. Then another one gave us another house. So we own two houses in Malawi. <laughs> Praise the Lord. From the bridge to the house. Amen. But I thank God that under the bridge was my Bible college under that bridge, eating from the garbage beans was my Bible college because God was preparing me for now as I travel around the world. You know, God gave me an international stomach. <laughs> Some of you have got South African stomachs. <laughs> eh? If you ate the things I ate myself, I've eaten snakes in China, I've eaten baboons in, in Congo, I've eaten all sorts of things I never throw out because God trained me under the bridge. Amen. But South African stomach... <laughs> God gave me a wonderful... You know, He trained me. So all that was God's blessing into my life. Last year, as I close, last year in November... Someone called me. Are you Stephen Lung from Jobek? I said, yes, I'm Stephen Lung. Can you go to Toyota MacArthur? I said, to do what? He said, just go there. So I went to Toyota MacArthur, and I was standing at this beautiful, you know, double cab, and I was just saying, hey, if I could have the car like this, go to Malawi. I don't put a canal, but at the back, I will use it as my pulpit to preach the gospel. So as I was standing there, the manager comes to me and said, can I help you, sir? I said, I don't know. I'm just looking at the car. I said, what do you do? I said, I'm a preacher of the gospel. Said, ah, you are very poor. He walks away. <laughs> <laughs> he walks away. So this guy in Jobek rings again. He says, Stephen, are you at my daughter? I said, I am here. He said, give your phone to the manager. So I went to the manager and said, this person wants to talk to you. So I went back to the car. So I was standing at the only one car. I didn't go several cars, only one. So there they talked, and then he comes, the manager said, hey, congratulations, Mr. Lungu. This is your car. It has been paid for. <laughs> That's God. You understand what I'm saying? He shall provide personal provision. Are we together? Now, quickly, let me close quickly. And in Africa, we close many times. <laughs> but uh, this is uh, uh, students that can kick you <laughs> yeah number three is uh, <coughs> we have personal provision are we together Pre personal provision and then personal positioning personal what positioning and that's the verse 3 that follows. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying here? 
and all the bad things God guides him in the path of righteousness. Now, he's not doing for him. When you walk right, he's glorified. When you walk clean, he's glorified. You young girl, a boy says, oh, we can use condom, let's sleep together. He said, no. And if you are here, <laughs> praise the Lord. And you feel you want to make the Lord your Lord indeed. Shall we stand? And you want the Lord to be the Lord indeed of your life. You don't want to be on the log of the tree thinking you are moving, but you are not moving. But you want to make the Lord, the Lord your life indeed. So that goodness and mercy may follow you. And you want God to bless you. You want God. Maybe you are here, you have never accepted Jesus. And you want Jesus to be the Lord of your life. I want you to walk forward here and come forward and say, Lord, I want you to be the Lord of my life. Maybe you were born again, but he was not real the Lord. Today you want to make sure that indeed God is God, is your Lord. And you want the goodness to follow after you. You say, God, touch me. Bless me. If you saved Stephen, you can save me too. Just begin coming forward. And I was alone the night I came to Jesus. All by myself. I didn't look for... But, you know, people despised me that day. But the blessing I've been around the world has been tremendous. God wants to touch someone for the sake of South Africa. You are here. God wants you. Just come and stand here in front. Just say, Lord, I want to commit my life to you. Just come forward quickly. Don't let the devil hold you back. You want a double blessing from the Lord. Just come forward. Say, God, I want to renew my, my vows to you afresh. Just come forward quickly. Hallelujah. I know coming forward is just a challenge, but you take that step in Jesus' name and come forward. Say, God, if Stephen walked alone after 3,000 people all by myself and I don't regret that I took that step and you are that person who say, God today I want to make a commitment to Christ I want to join David to be the Lord the Lord of my life the Lord to be my shepherd just come forward quickly I know you are struggling there is a battle in your heart but we say, God, I really want you to make you the Lord of my life. Just come forward quickly. And I know God is going to bless you. You may not see the blessings today, but you will see them. God, maybe praise God. God bless you. Just begin walking. Come forward. We always say, we always say that sometimes the devil comes early in the church to put glue on your chair not to go forward for the kingdom of God but uh, let that glue melt come forward and say God here's my life I want to renew my vows to you to walk with you and I want you to touch my life once again I want you to be the Lord so that goodness and mercy may follow me God bless you for taking that courage there's still someone who's still battling in the heart to say, God, I'm walking forward. God bless you, my brother. Still more people coming. Praise the Lord. Amen. If you need to come, still join us here in front. But we're going to pray together. I want you guys that are standing here, I want you to pray a prayer. Can, can we stretch out our hands towards these people? And again, if you need to stand here, step forward. I'm going to pray a prayer. I want us all to pray together. But specifically, you guys standing here in front. I want you to pray like you're coming to Christ for the first time from your heart. Say, Jesus, 
I come to you this morning and I ask that you would save me. Make me new, Jesus. I thank you, Jesus, for life and life in abundance. I walk away from my sin and I choose you instead. Make me new, Jesus. Change me, Lord. And I thank you for your life. In Jesus' name. I'm going to just have some counselors step forward. They're going to just pray with you. They're going to introduce you to Jesus. They're going to just give you some material to work through and to pray through. I'm going to pray for you. Before we continue, I want to pray for the rest of us. Maybe you're standing here today and you were really moved, but you've made a decision for Jesus. At the end of the worship, we had that, that message saying that, that there's a call. God is calling us and, and, and that He wants to fill us with His Spirit. So I'm going to pray for us that, that God would do that as these guys are busy praying in front. Let's just close our eyes. Why don't you just lift your hands to heaven. Father, thank you for, for your love for all of us. Thank you, for, Father, for your incredible grace through the life of Stephen Lungu. And we can be inspired, Lord, and at the same time we can be humbled by your awesomeness. Father, thank you that we can fix our eyes on Jesus and look to you. Thank you, Jesus, that you transform us, you make us new. Now the Lord calls us, as He called Stephen, He calls us for a purpose. And He calls us to make a stand for Him. And I want to ask you, if you're here this morning, maybe you've already started on a journey with Christ. Maybe you've sort of just drifted slightly. Maybe you don't hear His voice. As the Bible says, that we will hear His voice. Then He wants to, His intention is for you to hear and to know Him because you can. But I'm going to invite you to respond to the call and maybe you've done this before but you've just realized that you've deviated a slight bit but this morning there's opportunity for you to say, I'm going to say yes again to the call of Jesus on my life. Won't you lift up your hand if that's you. Just lift your hand very high. Father, thank you for all these hands that are going up saying that they want to choose you. They want to make a stand for you, God. They want to say yes to the call of God, not the call of this world, not the call of their parents, not the call of ambition, of selfish ambition, but the call of Jesus. And so, Holy Spirit, we thank you for, the, for your empowerment, the fact that you are able to help us. And right now, I pray that, Holy Spirit, you would help us to be strong, to be bold, to take a stand for you and not for this world. I'm going to ask you if you've raised your hand. I want you to be bold. as your first step into pursuing God's call. I want you to make a prophetic statement and I want you to come right here to the front, to my left. Say, Jesus. I'm obeying your call, obeying your voice. I'm standing for you. So quickly come out from where you are. Stand here in front. You're going to worship. We're going to worship God together now.